0: All right, fo- follow as I read Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Paul writes this For this reason, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I, write, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Verse 6. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Verse thirteen, last verse, therefore I ask, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory okay who uh who felt a little overwhelmed with what with what we just read? Just one, two, three? Yeah, I felt very overwhelmed when I read it multiple times. <laughs> Not just the first time, because I was, I was asking myself, what do I do with this? You know, I, I can't skip this. I got I to gotta study this. I know that it's what I need to learn, and I know that it's what the students need to hear. So, so it is normal if you felt overwhelmed after reading all those 13 verses. Now, um, why did you feel a little bit overwhelmed? What's that? It's 13, it's 13 verses. It's long. It's a lot. What else? Who, uh, who thinks that it sounds complicated and confusing? Like hard to follow, okay? So a lot, a lot more hands, right? Why? Why does it seem to be complicated and confusing? Yes, go ahead. It's one long run-on sentence. Yeah. Any other reasons why it may seem a little hard to follow, a little hard to understand, a little bit confusing? No. So you guys got it. You got you get you get the the point, you get the theme. No? So here, what we need to do, okay, first and foremost, to in order to understand what's going on here, we need to, we need to look at two key observations, okay? I, I intentionally included that in your handout because I think these two keys will unlock. Um, not in a mysterious way, but I think they will unlock the flow and the main point, the main meaning, okay? Um, when you guys read your Bible, it, you may be reading one verse, you may be me- reading two verses, or a paragraph. Right? It's the same when you read a letter from your friend. It's the same when you get a text message from your mom. Right? You're reading. It could be this short. It could be this long. But you're looking for the main point, the main theme. Okay? And you find the main point, the main theme. Um, by looking at the the flow and the structure a lot of times okay so that's what i want to do first before we dive into our outline here so first fill in the blank here's the first key observation first we need to see paul's structure okay again i know it's long i know it's big Um, we need to see the big picture the structure okay we need to see paul's structure look at look at verse one and and uh, I want you guys to pay close attention, because if I lose you in these two key observations, once, once we start going through the verses, and I'll go a little bit faster, uh, I'll lose you if you don't see these two things, all right? So, so we need to look at Paul's structure. So look at verse 1. Okay, in verse 1, Paul starts with an introduction. It's a new chapter, first verse, he has an introduction. He says, for this reason, I... Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. But then notice this. He interrupts himself. Okay, that's why there's an M dash. If, you, if, you, uh, if your Bible has a dash that's a little bit longer than an N dash, which is a little bit longer than a dash, you know, it's like three dashes together. That's why it, that's why it looks long. That's called an M dash. If you have that, that's, that's, that's kind of like a parenthesis, like an open parenthesis. So Paul introduces himself in verse 1 then he interrupts himself he digresses and spends the next 12 verses verses 2 through 13 to talk about something that's a little bit off the topic but very important that's why he was willing to introduce himself and then, then stop talk about th- this thing for 12 verses and then pick and then pick it back pick it back later on so when, and when he finally gets back on track, when he finally picks up where he left off, it's not until verse 14. Look at verse 14. I know I didn't read it earlier, but look at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So what is Paul doing here? The big structure is a prayer, okay? It'd be like me writing to you, okay? Hey, NCC Student Ministry, this is Pastor Roy, um, and then I talk about something else. And then later on I say, yeah, remember, uh, this, is, this is me. I'm writing for this reason so I can pray for you. So look at verse 1 again. Verse 1 says, for this reason. Look at verse 14. For this reason. Okay? So he introduces himself and then long parentheses Something that he wanted to talk about, and then he gets back on track. Oh, yeah, for this reason, I, uh, I want to pray for you guys. Okay, so, so that's one key observation. Here's another, here's another one, still under the structure. In verse 2, Paul gives us an if statement. You guys see that? Verse 2, if indeed you have heard. Now, I know uh, some translations, I think, like ESV, um, it says assuming that you have heard. I think NIV says uh, since you have heard. Um, literally, it's, it's, a, it's an if, okay? Now uh, students, back to your English grammar class. If you have an if statement, you should have a then statement, right? An if statement usually is followed by a then statement, okay? If, if I come tonight at five o'clock, then I will have a lot of food right if then okay so so in verse 2 Paul Paul gives an if statement if indeed you have heard and then you don't see the then statement for a long time until you get to what cuz you're waiting right okay there's an if statement where's the then statement I got to I got to look for that if this then this where is it where is it verse 13 okay uh, maybe your Bible translates it as therefore, it's the same. Okay, therefore, or then I ask you not to lose heart. Okay, so outside, okay, verse 1 and verse 14. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, digression, verse 14. Hey, that's right, for this reason, I pray for you. A little bit more inside, verse 2, okay, verse 2. Hey guys, if you have heard of this, verse 13, then I ask that you do not lose heart. You guys, following me? So far, so good? Yes, go ahead. Question Yes, yes. That's why he's to about not heart. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just got done talking about uh, the Jews and the Gentiles in chapter two. You guys remember that two weeks ago before camp, right? That we are now we're, we have salvation because of Jesus Christ. We now belong to God because of Jesus Christ, and we now belong to um, that that temple, Jesus is cornerstone. Remember from chapter two, right? And where the building blocks being fitted together, you know, to, to to make up this temple, this church. So Paul gets to chapter three. He says. For that for that reason I want to pray for you guys. But then before he prays in verse 14, he digresses and talks about something that's very important. If you have heard of what we're going to see, then I ask that you do not lose heart. And then he gets into the prayer. So far so good? Crystal crystal clear or clear as mud? <laughs> crystal, I hope crystal clear, okay? So that's the structure. Here's number two. We need to know Paul's purpose. That's the second question. Okay, I see the structure. I see the flow. At first, it was a little bit confusing, but now I think I can follow what he's doing. Um, but what's the purpose? Why does, why does Paul do that, and why does he write what he writes? And uh, Miss Julie already answered this. He alluded, uh, she alluded to this already. Remember, Paul's about to pray for these Christians, but before he does, he chooses to digress. Why does he do that, students? Why does he do that? Why does he do that? He's about to pray for them, but before I, you know, hit the brakes, pump the brakes, before I get to my prayer, I want to talk about something so that I can encourage, right? So that I can encourage you guys. That's why in verse 13, he he says, then I ask, I'm asking you guys, I'm asking you Christians in Ephesus, the people I'm writing to, I ask that you do not what? What does it say in verse 13? Lose heart. That's why Paul is writing this section. That's why he is willing to interrupt himself before he prays so that he could encourage these people, so that they wouldn't, they wouldn't lose heart. Now, here's, here's another, maybe a little more difficult question for you. Why are they losing heart, you think, from what we read? Why do you think they may be discouraged? Yes, Joshua. Yeah, because Paul is going through tribulations, right, verse 13. And then in verse 1, how, how did he introduce himself? which is usually not the way he introduces himself. Usually he'll say, Paul the apostle, Paul the servant. Yes? Yeah, what does he say about himself? Yes, go ahead, Nadell. A prisoner. Okay? So he's a prisoner, he's in jail, right? He's a missionary, he's a pastor, and he's in jail. Verse 1, and then verse 13, he says, I'm facing a lot of hostility. I'm facing a lot of opposition. I'm facing a lot of tribulations. So guys, before I pray for you, I just want to encourage you that you do not lose heart. So, you guys, you guys tracking so far? All right. Who came here last Sunday night to watch the movie The Essential Church? Okay, a lot of you, a lot of you. What happened to the two pastors in Canada who kept their church is open what happened to them jail. went to jail right one was like 30 plus days one 25 days okay now what do you think was going on in the minds of their families and their churches while their pastors were in prison what's that fearful what else discouraged. very discouraged and they were probably most likely losing heart Right? Okay, Canada's against us, right? LA's against us. They're taking our pastors away, they're closing our churches down. What are we going to do? Right? And maybe they maybe they were they started doubting. Okay, the Bible says that God's going to build his church, but it doesn't look like he's building the church. It looks like he's allowing it to um to lose. Right? Now you may have never experienced hostility on the level that Paul's experienced here, and also on the same level that those pastors in Canada experienced. But I'm sure you've faced some kind of hostility, some kind of opposition, right? You share the gospel with your unbelieving, unbelieving friends, and they reject it, and then you share it again. And now they reject you, right? You um. You want to influence your classmates, you want to be a good example to your coworkers, workers so, so you live a righteous life, a Christian life, and what do they do? They make fun of you. And then you get some courage inside of you so you keep, you know, living a righteous life in front of those friends, in front of those coworkers. and not only do they make fun of you now, but they actually now avoid you. So what would you feel? When you face those kinds of hostility and opposition, you would be, you'd be what? Discouraged. You might lose heart. You might lose heart. Maybe you have siblings who are unbelievers, and they, and they used to come to your house uh, for dinner and for a lot of things, and then your parents give them the gospel, and now they don't want it, so now they only come for Thanksgiving. Right, and every time you see them, you lose heart. You're discouraged, right? Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you have parents who used to profess faith. They used to say, "Yeah, we're Christians," and then they divorce. They split, right? Maybe one is not walking with the Lord anymore. And then every time, every time you go to that parent, because you split your time with your two parents, you go to that parent. You may lose heart, right? And then maybe your parents, you know, they've been giving the gospel to a loved one. And you might see your parents late at night crying because they just don't know why this loved one keeps rejecting the gospel. So your parents are crying. They're losing heart. You see them crying and losing heart. Now you are losing heart. Well, here in Ephesians chapter 3, in these 13 verses, we get a lot of encouragement. Okay, encouragement is really to put courage in, okay, in courage, put courage in, put courage back into hearts that are discouraged, and that's what Paul's going to give us, show us. So look at your outline, three encouragements to not lose heart when you face spiritual hostility. Okay, again, you may not be facing the same level, same type of hostility, you know, in Canada. Uh, during COVID and even for Paul, but I'm sure like the examples I've I've given, I'm sure you have faced or maybe right now facing some kind of spiritual hostility. So this this is an encouragement for all of us. Here's the first encouragement so that we don't lose heart. Number one, God is faithfully accomplishing his plan. And I'll explain what kind of plan. God is faithfully accomplishing his plan. That's the first encouragement. Look at verse 1. For this reason, we already covered that because of what I've written to you in chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. For that reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. So Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Why? Why? to remind these people he's writing to, remember they are Christians in a local church in Ephesus, to remind them that even though he's in jail, he doesn't belong to Rome, even though Caesar put him in jail, he doesn't belong to Caesar, that even though he's in jail, he still belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and I'm in jail, he says, for your sake, for your benefit, Paul says. Now like I said earlier Paul's intention is to pray for them we won't get to the prayer till next Sunday but before he does here comes the interruption the digression the long um digression in this in this passage he wants to remind them that they do not lose heart look at verse 2 we get to the now we get to the the you can say the you know the the meat of the burger in the middle, the if-then statement, okay? Verse 2, if indeed you have heard, or you can say since you have heard. I like what ESV says. Assuming that you have heard, okay? Paul, Paul knew that they have heard. Heard of what, Paul? Here it is. Of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Okay, the word stewardship here is just a uh, big word, fancy word for God's plan of salvation, okay? Almost always in, um, in, in Ephesians when it's, when it's mentioned, okay, the stewardship of God or the stewardship that God gives to someone like Paul, it's referring to God's plan of salvation, okay? Um, if you want a little more simple than that, it's basically how God has planned to save sinners, okay? Stewardship equals God's plan of salvation. Description, how God has planned to save sinners like, like you and me, okay? So, Paul says that God gave him that plan, that stewardship. Now, how did, how did God give it to him? Look at verse 3. He tells us, he tells us how God gave it to him, that by revelation, okay? That's how God gave it to Paul, by, by revelation, there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. Now, if you uh, if you know Paul's life, when did God reveal his salvation plan? How he's going to save sinners uh, to Paul? When did he reveal that to him? Personally, gave that to Paul. You guys, remember, Paul wasn't born a Christian, correct? He wasn't born a, a missionary and a pastor, correct? So there was a time in his life that he went from killing Christians to giving the gospel to Christians, and, be, and he became a church planter. He, he went from uh, closing down churches, right, killing Christians to a church planter and giving the gospel to people. So when did that happen? Yes, Nichols. Yeah, on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, Right? Remember God stops him God says why are you killing my people why are you killing my church right and then he blinds him right and then he gives him the revelation and and here Paul says I received it from God okay the stewardship God's plan of salvation directly from God and I wrote about it in brief he says in verse 3 as I wrote before in brief. Now, is he referring to a different letter that we don't have? I don't think so. I think he's referring to what he just wrote, what he just told them in chapter 2. So he's, he's, he's already referred to it. Now, how did his readers respond to it? Look at verse 4. By referring to this, okay, we're still talking about God's plan of salvation, which Paul wrote about in chapter 2. By referring to that, when you guys read it, You understood my insight into the mystery of Christ. So Paul received God's plan of salvation. He wrote it, and they read it, and they understood it. Here's here's the interesting thing. Even though Paul says that it used to be a mystery, a secret, okay? You guys read it, and you understood it, even though before God's plan of salvation, the stewardship that he gave me, that was a mystery, how was it a mystery, Paul? He tells us in verse 9. Verse 9, look at, I be mean, sorry, verse 5. Which, okay, still referring to God's plan of salvation, still referring to the mystery, still referring to, to the stewardship that God gave Paul, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. So Paul says that God's salvation plan wasn't known by the older generations. Who do you think he's referring to? How God was going to save sinners. That stewardship that God gave to me, Paul saying. That, that was a mystery because it was not known. It was not known, he says, to The sons of men, who, who would be the sons of men? He's referring to you guys think the what the Gentiles, yes, yeah. Oh, I thought you raised I thought you were really confident. You're raising both hands, you're just stretching. Who, who knew that God was going to save sinners, but they did not know? The specific plan of how God was going to save sinners. They knew. They knew that the Messiah would come. They knew that people would need salvation. They knew that people would need forgiveness for their sin, but they just did not know all the specific details of God's plan. Yes. It, a little more broad. Yes. Jews, a little more broad. The people in the Old Testament. Okay, the people in, sorry, if you guys, what is he talking about? It's, some, sometimes we overthink things. Um, the people in the Old Testament. Okay, the people in the Old Testament, they had prophets. The people in the Old, Old Testament, they had the Old Testament. So they knew that God was going to save sinners. They knew that God was going to, to send the Messiah through David, the line of Judah, right? But they just didn't know all the specific details of God's plan. So Paul says, Yeah, that was given to me. That stewardship was given to me. Uh, And you guys, I I wrote about it, and you guys read it, and you guys now understand it, even though for the people back in the Old Testament, it was a mystery. It was not made clear to them, he's saying. But now it is clear. Now it is revealed. Those details didn't become clear until the New Testament apostles and prophets started writing about them. That's why Paul calls it a mystery, okay? Again, we're still talking about God's plan, the way God had planned to save sinners, and Paul calls it the stewardship which was given to him, and now he's saying, I wrote about it, and you guys read it, now you understand it, even though in the Old Testament it was not made clear to those people, all the specific details of how God was going to accomplish that plan to save sinners like you and me, he, he says that's why it was a mystery, something that was hidden before that's now revealed. Now, we're still left with the question, what exactly, Paul, what exactly is the mystery, or what, what exactly is the mysterious part of God's salvation plan? What is it? Well, he tells us in verse 6. Okay, he tells us in verse 6. Now, if you have uh, the NASB, if that is your translation, New American Standard Bible, they added the phrase what in the beginning of verse 6? What did they add? Yes, Ryan. To be specific. How do you know that it was added by the NASB people? Yes, Ryan. Italicized, Italicized kind of like... Right? Every time a word or a letter, in a phrase, sentence in your Bible is like this, looking like this, it was, it was added. Okay. Now, I, I appreciate that the NASB did that. They added that phrase to be specific because they really want to be clear. Okay? What is the mystery, Paul? Something... That the Old Testament people did not know. And now we know. Because God used apostles and prophets in the New Testament to write about it. And now we can read about it. And now we can understand it. What is the mystery? Used to be mystery, but not anymore. What is it? Verse 6, to be specific. Here it is, students. That the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body. Not only that and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So, because of the New Testament, it's very clear now that God is also saving Gentiles. Okay, this is, this is amazing because you are most likely a what? A Gentile. I am a Gentile. A Gentile is someone who is not a Jew. Okay, so... It's very clear now that God is also saving Gentiles, non-Jewish people like you and me. That's very encouraging. In the Old Testament, He was saving Gentiles, but it wasn't very clear to the Old Testament people. It was a mystery. It was not made known, but now it's made known. Now it's very clear. We have missionaries going to Italy. A lot of Gentiles there. God is accomplishing his salvation plan in Italy. How? He's saving people in Italy, non-Jewish people. That's very encouraging. You, you face opposition, you face hostility, that's fine, that's, that's inevitable. But Paul says, don't lose heart, guys, don't lose heart, because God is accomplishing his plan. Yes, it wasn't as clear in the Old Testament, now it's very clear. He's saving all kinds of people, all kinds of people. I mean, just look at this room. All kinds of people. Why? Why would God do that? For three reasons. Verse 6, so that you and I, Gentiles, can become fellow heirs of God's inheritance with the Jews. Remember, the inheritance was for the Jews initially. And now you and I can partake in God's inheritance. Number two, so that we can become fellow members of the same church with the Jews. Right, in the Old Testament, temple, synagogue, Jews only, right? The barrier's been broken, no more dividing wall, right? Remember Berlin Wall, no more, right? Now we have all kinds of people in the church. Here's the third reason, so that we can become fellow partakers of God's promises with the Jews. All the, all the covenants, we get to benefit from those covenants. Look at the encouragement from Paul, verse 7. Of which, he's talking about the gospel back in verse 6. Okay, notice verse 6. The last word is the gospel. Verse 7, of which I was made a minister or a servant according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. I just want you to pay attention to two words there, God's grace and God's power. So, students, this is very encouraging. This means that Christians like you and me, okay, like I said, missionaries like our missionaries in Italy and pastors like those in Canada can be bold, can be courageous with the gospel. Why? Because they have two things from God they have God's grace and they have his power. And they can boldly and confidently preach the gospel because they're saying it's clear, guys, it's very clear. God is saving all kinds of people. And that is his plan. That's part of his salvation plan. And he's accomplishing that. So that's the first encouragement. Here's the second one. God is purposely displaying his wisdom. God is purposely displaying his wisdom. Verses 8 through 12. Look at verse 8. Paul continues, he says, to me, okay, to me, the very least of all saints, the very least of all saints, what a great example of humility, Paul just oozes with humility, when was the last time you uh, introduced yourself to someone, and in the back of your mind you said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the least of all Christians. When was the last time you thought about yourself that way? Probably not. (laughs) Right? I mean, out of thousands and millions of Christians, Paul, the missionary, the great missionary, the great pastor, wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books. says, hey guys, to me, by the way, yeah, To me, this grace was given, this stewardship was given. But by the way, you know, I am the very least of all all the Christians. I'm the last one. Um, I'm not number one, I'm the last one. So he's a great example of humility. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to me for two specific reasons. Look at verse 8 and 9. Two reasons why God gave it to him. First, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, verse 9, and second, to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So God, uh, Paul says, God made me his servant. He gave me this salvation plan. You know, It's a stewardship that he gave me. I wrote about it. You guys read it. Now you now understand it. Why? So I can preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to non-Jewish people. And secondly, so that I can make the mystery. Okay, what's the mystery? That God is saving all kinds of people and all kinds of people are now in the church. So that I can make that mystery very clear to people. Why is that so important to Paul? What's What's, uh, what is God's ultimate goal for the preaching of the gospel and for the mis- mystery becoming clear? Why, why is that important? What's, what's the goal? Verse 10. Here's the goal. So that, okay, think about, think about the preaching of the gospel. Think about making clear the mystery, used to be mystery, but not anymore, that you and me and us and Jews can be saved the same way, and can be in the church at the same time. Okay, all of that. Why? Why God? Why Paul? So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's the purpose, Paul says. He says that God is purposely displaying how wise he is. I don't know if, um, if uh, this is capturing your mind yet, uh, but I hope it is. You know, I hope that you're saying that is pretty wise. That is very wise. That God would have this plan of salvation to save all kinds of people and to bring them together together. And call it a temple of God, a church of God. And that church would display how wise God is. Right? You look at, you look at other religions, right? Uh, yes, we don't believe that they have the one and only true God. And we look at their beliefs. We look at how they do their churches, how they do their denomination, their religion. And we're like, ah, not, that's foolishness. <laughs> you look at Christianity, how God's saving all kinds of people. You go to a church like ours, you see all kinds of people, (laughs) Um, and you say, what a wise God. This is God's wisdom. God is displaying his wisdom through the church, okay? That means that the more churches today preach the gospel, and the more people in the church today love one another and live in unity as God's family, the more God's wisdom is displayed. You see a church that's not preaching the gospel, that's not, that's not showing God's wisdom. You see a church, that, uh, a church that's broken, you know, ministries, student ministries that are too clicky, they, don't, they, they can't be together, uh, that's not displaying God's wisdom. God's wisdom is saving people through the gospel and bringing all kinds of people together. So if we do the opposite, we're not displaying God's wisdom. Now here's the interesting part. I don't know if you guys caught it, okay? God is displaying how wise He is to who? To LA County, to uh, Canada, to uh, the engineers and scientists, the to 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 the evolution teacher at your school? No, look at it. God is displaying how wise He is through the church to who? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Do you know who that is? Who do you think that is? Angels. Angels. Very interesting. Yeah, you know, you're a science teacher who believes in evolution. Yeah, that person will see God's wisdom. Um, false religions will see God's wisdom. But specifically here, Paul says that God is showing his wisdom through the preaching of the gospel and making the mystery very clear through the church to who? Who's the main audience? The angels in heaven. The angels in heaven. Now, I don't know why Paul says that. I think, okay, this is just my guess. I think that that the main audience here are the angels because... Angels give glory to God every time a single soul is what? Saved. Every single time a person is saved, right? You can read in Job 38, verse 7, Luke 15, verse 10, and 1 Peter 1, 12. Every time a soul is saved, all of the angels in heaven rejoice. And all of them give glory to God. And all of them say, what a wise God. Another person saved. Another person's not going to hell. Another person is added into God's family. Another person is added to the church. So he gets more glory. He gets more glory from the angels. Why? Because they're praising him. Why? Because he's wise. Because God is wise. Here's another encouragement from Paul, verse 11. Look at verse 11. This... Okay, how God displays his wisdom through the church. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's just saying that it's not a plan B. The church is not a plan B. Even though the church is not in the Old Testament, it's not a plan B. It's always been according to God's only plan to show his wisdom through the church. Verse 12 in whom, referring to Jesus Christ, the end of verse 11, in whom we have boldness. So we have, have, uh, as Christians, we have privileges now. We have boldness and we have confidence to do what? To access God through faith. You actually can pray to God. You actually can read His Word anytime, anywhere, and you can have confidence and boldness to do that, which in the Old Testament they didn't really have. So Paul says, don't lose heart, guys yes i'm in prison, yes i'm going through tribulations. You may be going through the same things, but do not lose heart because God is wise, God is very wise. yes, your government might not be uh applauding and praising him and saying how wise he is, but thousands of angels in heaven uh praise him and give and and they acknowledge that he's wise, every single soul is saved. Last one right here, last encouragement from Paul. God is continually saving his people. God is continually saving his people. And that is from verse 13. At first you might not see it, but but I'll explain it in a little bit here. God is continually continually saving his people. Remember, Paul started with an if statement, right, back in verse 2. Now we finally get to his then statement. Okay, if you have heard that God gave me this stewardship, and then he went on and explained that kind of stewardship. If you have heard of that, verse 13, therefore, then I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations. Here's what I want you guys to pay attention to. On your behalf, for they are your glory. Okay, Paul says, Since you've heard of God's salvation plan and his manifold wisdom, then you have no reason to lose heart, Paul says. Yes, Paul's in prison. Yes, he's facing all kinds of hostility, but he knew that all those bad things, okay, all of those bad things are not meaningless. He says, I believe that God is using all those things for the good. What kind of good, Paul? For your sake, he says. For your glory, for your spiritual benefit. For your spiritual benefit so that you would be saved, so that you would grow in your faith, so that more people would be saved. That's why I'm in prison. That's why I'm facing all kinds of hostility. I believe, I'm confident, Paul's saying, that God is using even those bad things for your glory, for your sake, on your behalf. So, students, we, we need this kind of encouragement. You know, I was just thinking about, about these 13 verses as I was studying it, you know, and I, I look at our country, and it seems like Christianity Christianity is what? Winning or losing? It seems like it's losing, right? Um, just turn on the news. You don't, you don't even have to do that, you know, just like watch people, <laughs> or just listen to people, you know, at the park or the library, you know. It seems like Christianity is losing. We look at our young people. I look at our young people. I think about our young people, and it seems like less and less are being saved, right? They grow up in a good church. They grow up with Christian parents, you know. They are, like, forced to go to the youth group. And then once they get freedom, ha, the world is mine. They, they leave, right? And then I hear, you know, four years later, and I, and I get discouraged. I lose heart. Less and less people are getting saved, it seems like. We look at things that we used to enjoy. You know, I was just thinking about just top of my head, you know, like Disney, um, Target, uh, shopping malls, like things that we used to enjoy. I'm sure you, get, you guys can add more to that list, things that we used to enjoy, uh, but it seems like they're all sold out for Satan, just completely, 100%. Instruments of Satan, right? And you think about that, and you're like, man, you know, that's a bummer. That's discouraging. And then we try to live godly lives, like I said, we get canceled. Right? We try to share the gospel with others, we get rejected. We try to speak against wickedness, right? We say, no, that's wrong. Abortion's wrong. You know, that is wrong. You know, transgender, that's wrong. That's also wrong. That's wrong. We we, we try to speak to our culture against wickedness and we get labeled as bigots. And that can cause us to lose heart. But students, remember what Paul's saying here, okay? We should not lose heart. There is no reason, Paul's saying. And he himself is in prison. He himself was put into prison for preaching the gospel. He himself was facing all kinds of hostility. But he says, guys, there's no reason to lose heart. You should be encouraged because God's salvation plan cannot, stop, cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. He is saving people his wisdom is being displayed even though people here may not see it but his wisdom is all over the place and he continues to save sinners again just look at yourself if you're a Christian if you're a Christian just look at yourself right now that alone is an encouragement how can God save someone like me well it's God's wisdom why me well it's part of his salvation plan And guess what? More people will be saved. More young people will be saved. More people in Italy will be saved. Paul says, be encouraged. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Next Sunday, when we come back, we actually get to the prayer. We get to the prayer. Okay? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this passage. I know it's... uh, It's long, um, might be hard to understand at first, but I pray that that uh, it's more clear to the students, and that the main point would be very evident to them. That there is no room for discouragement as we look at our country, as we look at our culture, as we look at our relatives, our family members, our friends who are not believers. There's no there's no reason to be discouraged. There's no reason to part. Because everything is under your control. You are a wise God, you are a saving God, and you continue to save people. I pray for those students who are not saved. I pray that they would take this to heart, that you are a gracious and powerful God who saves all kinds of people, who uh, adopts all kinds of people into your family. So I pray that this would also encourage them. Thank you for our time this morning. We do look forward to the preaching of uh, uh, your your missionary, church planter Massimo, the second service, and also uh, this afternoon. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.